Spencer Wants to Know is brought to you by Le Spoor. We have a very special guest today. It's a, you know him from Kids in the Hall. This hour has 22 minutes. From teaching at Humber and Second City, it's Paul Bellini. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you, Paul? I'm good. How are you guys? We're good. I think you guys have a special connection. So Eli, share what that connection is. Uh, Paul was my teacher. So for once, we've got a real... And Paul was my teacher, too. That's right. Sir. So we've got we've got a real teacher on the episode. Wow. That's <laughs> well, Eli, you and I had a really good time. We, we did, what, about 20 weeks to put together that bloody show. It was writings four, five, and six, right? It was a long time. Yes. It was a long time. And that was when, was that back in like about 2014, maybe? Or no, it was like 2015. No. <laughs> You're just lying. I'm not lying. It was, uh, I, well, I know exactly why. It was uh, like 2017. Okay. Around that. And, and Spencer, you were in my Humber class. Uh, that was November 2016. Oh, okay. I don't remember. <laughs> I didn't go to class much. I know. You were there twice out of seven weeks. <laughs> so good in that little videotape we made. So <laughs> Even in a subject I like, I still miss class. <laughs> so do you funny. have any idea of what this episode is about from Eli's intro? No. Yeah, it was a little confusing. Uh, well, you you said you were bad at French and you were bad at gym, so we're gonna we're gonna be eventually talking about French sports. Oh, sports! But we will we will doing a deep dive on on your your personal life. Oh, okay. The nitty gritty. The Sounds who good. and the what's. The who, the what, the where. Yeah. And the why. Of All right. <laughs> I know that you're from Timmins. Yeah. What was that like growing up in Timmins? You know, it's a really, it, it's a small town. And it was nice in the 70s. It had its own vibe. But it was very remote. I mean, you'd have to drive four hours to get to Sudbury, which was the next biggest city. So we were really cut off. And winters there are long. They're about seven months, right? So you, you really have to get used to that environment. I liked it when I was growing up. But when I go back now, it's a different place. I don't have a connection to it anymore. Um, you're Italian. Very, on both sides. Wow. Were your parents uh, born in I Italy? Or? No, uh, only my grandfathers were. Both my grandmothers were born in North America. And my okay. parents were both born in Timmins. But um, my grandfathers were both Italian immigrants who came either just before or just after World War One, there was that mass migration that was happening. Um, you know, the whole Ellis Island thing. Uh, so oh, yeah. they decided to come to Canada. Um, and in particular, Timmins, because it was so cheap, they bought a farm for like 40 bucks or something. You know, wow. this was back in, you know, 1920. But all the same, it was uh, that one opportunity they had, right? Were you a farmer? 
My parents were. My my father was. Yeah. Yeah. So you grew up on a farm. Oh me? No no no. I was a city kid. Okay. We were in an actual neighborhood. But by then, in the sixties, we were living in town. Did you speak Italian growing up? Or? No, I never had any interest. No, Isn't that weird. I just to me it was like the I don't know. But but Timmins is a very francophone place, and you you don't speak French. Well, I took French starting in grade three until about grade eight, and I have a very crude understanding of some words and phrases, but not enough to converse. But what what was Timmins like? This place is a French place, or like? Sorry. Yeah, it, it was. It was 60% francophone. And and when Trudeau came in uh in the late 60s and created the um you know the, the two federal languages, um people who had uh government jobs had to learn one language or the other. So yeah. all of a sudden Timmins became like a focal point for for um bilingualism. Hmm. Um, but like I said, I was always really bad. Like I said, I'm bad at French, really bad at languages. Uh, I don't know. Italian, I don't know anything. I, I'm just English. I'm just good at English. You know, English. That's good. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. I'm really bad at languages too. I, um, I, my mom is Ukrainian and her, uh, her mom's from Ukraine and I went to Ukrainian school on Sundays and I could not pick up the language, could not pick up French, but I really wish I picked up Ukrainian just because it would be so cool to talk to my Baba. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that was uh, the same generation. My grandparents basically spoke very crude English, yeah. like broken English. And of course, being a little snoid, I used to make fun of them and imitate their accents, right? Can we hear a bit? That's how I started to become a comedian was by imitating my relatives to their faces. Such a horrible guy. Could, could we hear a bit of that? Or? You know what to hear. It's too complicated. <laughs> why? It's too complicated. I don't know why. It, 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 what was high school like for you in Timmins? Lots of fun. Um, I was determined to make it fun. I joined every club that I could. I joined yearbook. I joined drama club. Um, I was on the grad committee. So I was a real keener. And I did it because I think I just, I always felt kind of like a loser. I, I couldn't play sports. Um, so, you know, and I was a little gay kid. So I was very weird. We're talking 13, 14 years old, really out of place. And me and my sophisticated tastes going on about David Bowie's music. You know, this is in 1973. Um, so I, I, I had to, I had to kind of carve a niche for myself, basically. You know what I mean? And by being as busy as possible, it's kind of created a whole lifelong trend where I'm always Mr. Busy. I always look for things to do. Did you come out in high school or? Oh, fuck no. Fucked up. <laughs> no, I came out after university, after four years in, at York University in Toronto. I, I was forced out. My friends all said, you're gay. And I said, well, actually, and they just <laughs> laughed. Did you tell your parents? I told my mother um, once we were in uh, a production on Kids in the Hall because um, 
somebody wanted to do a newspaper article about me and they wanted to publish the, the fact that I'm gay. And I thought, I should probably tell my parents before they read it in a paper. So I went home that year and because um, they were still in Timmins. And I, I told her and she was fine with it. She was a stage mother. She was she was kind of expecting it, to be honest. Okay. My father, though, he had a crying fit and blamed himself. Um, so it took a little longer for him to come to come around, you know. Was it his fault? No, of course not. He had okay. nothing to do with it. The funniest thing with my poor dad, I remember he came to visit me in Toronto and we were in my apartment together and I, I was in the bathroom and all of a sudden I remembered, oh, I forgot to take down that Tom of Finland calendar. <laughs> I came out, he's looking at it, you know, and it's horrifying. It's, it's like, uh, you know, hunks with giant dicks, right? And he's like looking, he's all confused. And oh, I thought, this is too much for this poor man. When your friends told you that you were gay, did you know? Of course, I knew from childhood. You at 13, right? Yeah, 13, yeah. Oh, or no, even earlier? earlier, probably seven or eight. Um, Paul, I have, like, similar, like, to your calendar. Um, What's the book called? Oh, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey. So I was going to Winnipeg where all my family live. And I saw that it was like a best-selling book. Like I didn't know anything about it. And I got my mom to buy it for me at the airplane store, like the airport store. And the first hundred pages aren't very sexual. It's like a regular book. Like she's going for a job, you know, yeah. she bites her lip a lot, which I was like, that's cool. So I started biting my lip. And then by like page 99, flip to 100 and things change. And I was engorged in reading this book. I would read it at the dinner table thinking no one else knew what I was doing, but my aunt knew and she told my Baba. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> the old child, they, they didn't respond well to erotica, definitely. Yeah. Uh, she probably didn't like the fact that no, you were I'm eating pierogies and I'm reading about boinking. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you at the time? I was like, 13 at the time so just like you're just starting to peak and being interested in things oh well i i you know what if i was 13 and that was available to me i'd have devoured it yeah. i was a voracious uh reader and i was really sexually curious from when i was like oh maybe a 10 or 11 i started wow. to what is going on and i had to know but that's the writer's instinct in me yeah. is that i'm very curious about what adults do and what it, how does it work you know so i needed to know and for you were you always into writing like at a young age were people noticing like he's got a voice for this yeah well that's how my uncle used to babysit me he would come over and he wanted to watch hockey games. So he'd say, write a story, Polly. And he'd give me paper and pencils and, I, and he'd tell me a, a story idea and I'd write the story and then illustrate it. And it wow. kept hours, right? That's great. Yeah. Was it a big move for you to go from Timmins to Toronto for, for university? I planned it for years, Eli. I mean, I literally knew that I had to do everything possible to get out of Timmins. So I arranged to uh, take a, um, my the, the, the place where my dad worked was at this mine that offered scholarships. So I got the scholarship and I decided to study film production because it was not available north of Toronto anywhere. So I couldn't 
you know, go to Sudbury or North Bay. I had to be in Toronto to take this course. Um, so it took about two years and two guidance counselors to engineer my escape. Hmm. Really like a prison break. It, it felt like that. Like it, it did. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have other siblings? I have a sister who's five years younger than me. Oh, is she gay? Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> Great to have two kids. What you ask? I don't know. I was wondering. Uh, <laughs> no, but the my partner uh, obviously is gay, and he's a Timmons guy. So uh, he's a lot younger than me, but we're both literally from the same town. So I think I met him. He's very handsome. You might have met George, I think, years ago. I think I brought him to the show, didn't I? Uh, you were doing a different show for Humber, I think, and, and he was there. Oh, okay. And you had to play, um, your, I think one of your writers, who is from South Africa, wrote a sketch, but he couldn't make it, and you had to play, like... Oh, you were at that show. <laughs> you had to play, like, a black character and make a joke about being black, and you had to explain to the audience, like, Oh, it's because the writer's not here today. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so funny. I remember when he told me I have to go to India for uh, five weeks. I went, oh, that's nice. When? And <laughs> went before the show. And he goes, will you do my parts for me? It was so funny. Was Toronto everything you, you wanted when you moved here? Absolutely. Have you, you been, have you visited before or you just you moved here just for university? Uh, we had a lot of Toronto relatives growing up. So almost every summer we would drive down to Toronto to see them. So I was definitely familiar with the city. And uh, like I said, I the whole thing planned out. Um, and um, when I came here, it was fantastic. You know, in 1978 in Toronto, on Sunday afternoon, you could stand in the middle of Young Street there would be no traffic. Wow. The stores were still closed. There was no, nothing. There was nothing available on a Sunday. It was like a dead day. This is 78. It's changed considerably, obviously. And, and did you meet Scott Thompson right away? Or? Yeah, well, you know what? At York University, I lived in residence. I was at Vanier College. And um, we were all there on different floors. But what brought us together was the cafeteria. We would all kind of gather at one big table. And there was about, I would say about 15 of us who sort of really collected. And some of them are still friends of mine, you know, we're still in contact. And, and Scott was one of them. And he really stood out because he was such an extrovert and very showy and always entertaining. Um, and one of the first things I had to do in film production was make a film. And I asked him if he would be the actor because I needed somebody who could fall out of a tree. And of course he was willing to do everything. Um, so we shot the film. We had a great time together. And literally we've worked together ever since hmm. what over 40 years. You, you still get along. Oh yeah, absolutely. Have you ever fought? Lots. Lots. Uh, a couple of times, like those fights that are so bad that a year will go by before we speak to each other again. Really? Yeah. Can we dive deeper into that? 
uh, and it was right after the uh, series was over and brain candy was being shot. And for some reason we had a falling out and we stopped talking to each other for about 18 months. And then I, I kind of came around because he was on Larry Sanders and I wanted to go to LA <laughs> celebrities. So I thought I better swallow my pride. Um, the other time was 2005. We created a cartoon series based on our Buddy Cole character. And at the last minute, he didn't want to go into production, which I thought was a terrible mistake. And we lost the deal. And it was it, it, obviously uh, it would have been a great thing for me financially. So that bummed me out for a long time. Um, but then when he got cancer, I just thought, I can't be an asshole anymore. I We can't keep up this pretense of being angry over bad business dealings because he's my friend and he has a life-threatening illness right now. That was in 2009. And ever since then, ever since the cancer, we have not even fought. So I think a lot of the early days are those growing pains, you know, because we were friends first. Then our careers came along and, you know, the careers were such an imbalance because he was one of the stars of the show and I was like a writer. And so there was an, an inequity right away that had never happened before in our friendship. And that was really hard to adjust to. And I think that's part of a lot of the tension, quite honestly. And since then, um, you know, we worked on Death Comes to Town and the the Amazon series, but I don't feel um, marginalized at all. And, you know, I, I just enjoy, I love the fact that the kids are still working and that I get phone calls from, them, you know? <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> Speak. <laughs> you look beautiful today, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Dude, I love your outfit and your hair. You look great. Thank you. Did did your parents watch Kids in the Hall? Did did you show them your work? Or? Absolutely. Um, did, did they like it or confused by it? Or well, they understood that it was a comedy show and that I'm doing funny things. I don't think it was necessarily a, the kind of comedy they could appreciate. My father loved Ma and Pa Kettle and Abbott and Costello, and I love them too. Don't get me wrong, but it's a far cry from what we were doing on Kids in the Hall. Um, you know, Kids in the Hall had a kind of a, a chip on its shoulder and it danced around uh, gender and sexual uh, um, issues that were very uncomfortable in the early 90s. A lot of people didn't like the gay stuff, the drag, all that. And I think it was hard for my parents to articulate whether they liked it or not. They just knew that it was unusual and... Um, well, off-putting off for some people, you know. We were never a ratings giant. We were always a very stern cult hit, right? I was watching uh, the Touch Paul Bellini contest today. Mm. Did you actually, would you board a plane with a towel? Um, or you would change? We asked the airline if they could accommodate us. So after the flight deplaned, I quickly changed, and the uh, the um, the flight crew allowed us to do that. Um, so no, there was no one on the plane when I was. I, I didn't, you know, there was no one on the plane when we did that. However, 
Um, I did wear the towel in the baggage claim area. That that was real. That was real Th- through security. Yeah, and and in fact, when we did the second contest, the one in um, Cincinnati, I think, um, they freaked out because there's a an, a city ordinance about bare chestedness in public places, and they threatened to arrest me. And our producer had to step in and say, um, you know, we, we already cleared this. And the, the, the guy was furious. So they made us rent a ballroom in order to continue shooting, which is a, a, a huge expense. The only way we could do it is if we had rented the space because that's, you know, private, a private space. Huh. So it's weird. There's weird laws in the States. Do you ever go back and, and watch specific sketches? That, that, yeah. that what you love the most or did I, I i guess i didn't um dump them on you guys when i was teaching you did i uh no not at all <laughs> i wouldn't know i i guess i stuck with the program I, a lot of times when i'm teaching um i'll use uh, certain sketches as examples of something specific i like the chicken lady sketch i like citizen kane i like this thing that scott and i did called needed elsewhere which is about a man doing cocaine during a dinner party. Mm-hmm. I think it's very funny. You uh, did talk about that one in class. Did I? Yeah, you said that you were mad at Mark McKinney, and so oh. you gave him a part where he can't talk, but then he stole the sketch with his, like, his toothpaste. <laughs> so we didn't want to give him any lines. We were really mad at him for something. And um, so he went to the hair and makeup department and got these false teeth. And he came out and did this this ridiculous smile and ended up stealing the sketch. It's genius. You can't. <laughs> that might be, I think that's my might be my favorite kids in the hall sketch. That one, the cocaine. Yeah. What was like he doing to, to make you mad? Um, I well, I think we had just finished Chalet Two Thousand, and we were trying to write roles for the other. Like Chalet Two Thousand was the only episode of kids in the hall that was entirely dedicated to one thing, which is this buddy Cole story about how queen Elizabeth uh, has to flee Buckingham palace. And she goes to stay at buddy chalet and the paparazzi are hounding her and all that stuff. And um, we were trying to give Mark a character and he rejected everything. And at one point I do remember we said, Mark, what, character do you want to play in this show and he said i want to be a big blue elephant which in hindsight is hilarious but at the time we were furious with him and finally he came up with his lanky dean character and it worked just fine um and it actually worked great so we were lucky on kids in the hall all the fights and all the agony always resulted in i think pretty good work you know but was Mark the most difficult? <laughs> well, you know, everybody can be difficult. Yes. It really depends on the day and what you're doing. and uh, You know what I mean? There's a lot of things at play. Um, because I do remember having a lot of good times with him. You know, when I think back to the show, it's odd. I don't remember the tension and the fights so much as I remember the laughs. And I think maybe your mind does that. It selectively keeps good uh, memories and throws out some of the bad ones. Yeah, awesome. Martin's done that so quickly. 
okay now, now a big question yeah you've been you've been my teacher and you've been spencer's teacher oh he's gonna say you Did well you spencer was great spencer did a, a a devil character that was just hilarious and and i remember the first time she came in the room she you did that thing about your sister was a fashion model do you remember? Oh, it was no. like this improv you did, and it was hilarious. I always remembered it, quite honestly. Wow. I don't remember. You don't remember, but you do remember the devil thing. I remember you, the devil thing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, Eli was our star writer on our uh, Second City show, and I remember at one point thinking, we should just do all his sketches, and it would be a great I thought that, too. I know, but that's not fair <laughs> to the other people who are paying the same money. <laughs> To, to be involved and my you know my job is always to create a balance make sure everybody gets what they want right but I do remember you wrote um the Leonard Cohen thing where he's writing bird on a wire that was that airplane crashing cold opening that was the uh, the body in the in the backyard burying the body in the backyard or something am I getting it right do you remember all these pieces I do yeah yeah <laughs> I don't remember some of the other ones. Like I have a blur. I have the show somewhere. I could dig it up. You did call one of my sketches a turd. Which one? <laughs> you did call one of my sketches a turd. Which one? Uh, Elton John and Billy Joel are grieving Princess Diana. <laughs> <laughs> well, I stand by it. <laughs> Listen, they can't all be winners, right? But we're your favorite students. No, we're not his favorite. I have many favorites, I have to be honest. But you have two most favorites. Okay, you're the two best. <laughs> All right, well, it's time to turn the tables on you. Uh-oh. Are you ready to get quizzed? Okay. You're going to battle Spencer in a quiz. All right. Oh, okay. Uh, you said you were bad at French, and you said you were bad at gym. So this is a French sports quiz. All right. I'm going to do terribly, but let's go. I'm re really bad at this stuff too, Paul. <laughs> we'll both get zeros. Yeah. So I'll, I'll ask the questions and please buzz in by just saying your first name. Okay. Okay. Question number one. How do you say sports in French? Spencer. Sports. Sports. Sports? Sports. Do, do you have a rebuttal? Equipe, that means team. I was looking for spa. Spa. That's what I was saying. No, you are saying sports. <laughs> so no point. No oh, point. okay. You can, give her the, you can give her the point. It's fair. I'm sorry, Paul. I can't. I was trying to sound French. <laughs> what is the hockey team from Montreal called? Can I, Paul. Ball? Montreal Canadiens? Yes. We have a secret sports fan over here. <laughs> that was just yeah. fun. For an extra point, how do you spell Canadians? Uh, Spencer. It's for Paul. Oh, what? Oh, C-A-N-A-D-I-E-N-N-E-S. Too many N's. Oh, I overdid it. I'm already confused. <laughs> okay, no point. No extra point. Can All I right. What is the former hockey team from Quebec City called? 
Uh, Spencer. The Quebec Quas. Nope. Oh, the Flames. That's Calgary. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Nordique. Added sports. The Nor the Nordique. The Nordiques. Yes. Ah, that's good. No, Eli said it, and you didn't hear him say it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so no point. But right. Paul is winning one nothing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how do you say play in French? Joune. Joue. Okay. Very close. I'll, I'll let Paul try to steal. Joue. Joue. Oh! From Timmins. Do nothing. I don't even know what I said. It just came out. You said Joue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This hockey legend. He wore no helmet. His hair was flowing. In English, we might call him Guy the Flower. Oh. Paul. Paul? Guy la Fleur. Guy la Fleur. Oh, I wouldn't have got that. nothing for Paul. I was thinking it was, um, um, I don't even know. A guy with brown hair. The guy with brown hair? <laughs> guy with brown hair. No, I, I know all the old timers. I'm good. I'm good. To, I'm good at that because... There's nothing to do but watch hockey in Timmins when I was growing up, right? Oh. You did watch hockey. Well, you had to. It was always on in everybody's house. Were you a Leafs fan or a... Oh, I hated it. I never watched any of it. It was just oh. on in the background. But I'd certainly know Guy Lafleur. <laughs> okay, question eight. This other hockey legend. Uh, you've heard of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? Well, this guy had Hodgkin's lymphoma. His first name is a famous video game character. Mario. His last name means the best. Mario the best. Spencer. Mario the best? He's yeah. French. Mario le best. Okay. The best. Paul, do you want to steal Mario the best? Mario the best? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, and I, I actually know who it is because I was at his Walk of Fame uh, induction. Oh, my Play God. Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, you're not Mario, the best. Le Merveilleux. Le... <laughs> I don't know. Le... Mario, Mario Lemieux. 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 No point. No point. Okay. That means the best? Yeah, Lemieux, le, the best. Okay. Question nine. What is the famous bicycle race in France called? Tour de France. Tour de France. She got it. 3-1. Spencer, Spencer. Okay, we're going to make this point worth... Uh, last question, we're going to make it worth three points so Spencer can possibly come back. All right. In 2006, at the World Cup soccer final, this French legend headbutted Marco Materazzi in the chest. His initials are ZZ. Zebra, zebra. It is not zebra zebra. Zed, Zed are his initials. To seal the win. Zenin, zebra. Zuzu. 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 Name. It's uh, Zinedine Zidane. Oh, okay. Paul has won. Three to one. Well, congratulations, Paul. You, you deserve it. What did I win? Uh, 
Our, our favorite I, teacher award. Yes. <laughs> you can take that to your grave. <laughs> oh, good Lord. French sports. That is tough. You did good. Well, just because I knew Montreal Canadiens. What did I get? Two two points? Three. 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 Wow. That's better than I thought. All right. I'm on top of the world. What was your favorite subject in school? Oh, geez. I don't know. I loved English probably the most. And I liked uh, drama and art. So Do you have the, a, a favorite teacher that you remember? Huh? Do you have a favorite teacher that you remember? Well, Marjorie Bryce was probably my most favorite teacher. She's still alive. I'm in contact with her. Ruth McLaughlin, uh, Hetty Grab. Uh, they were all women, but they were fantastic. They were very uh, sh shaping. They shaped my mind, you know? That's great. That's great. And you shaped our minds, and it was great to you get did. to know you better today. I think Eli asked you some killer questions, and you had some killer responses. Thanks, guys. It's a killer segment then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I kept saying it, but what it all. Uh-huh. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you so uh, much. I'll make sure to send you a link to when the episode is out so you can just have it. Um, can I ask something? Did yeah. Spencer find out what she needed to know? Um, not really ever. Ask a pertinent <laughs> question. Ask a very deeply personal question. To Paul? Yes. Uh Paul, why are you in love with your partner? Oh. Um, he is incredibly stable and kind and fair, and um, he keeps me from going crazy. Yes, he, he is the one person who doesn't make me nuts. Yeah, he knows how to calm me down. And when you're kind of crazy like I am, it's an important, I think, to have a partner that can always bring you down to earth. So yeah, I, I've never found that elsewhere. So. Does he like your sketches? Yeah, he puts up with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Paul. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. I'll see you later. See you Thanks. someday. Great to talk to you. Bye. Bye. See you at school. <laughs> Bye.